Are you stressed out, feeling down, having trouble sleeping? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplements to help take the edge off, relax, enhance your mood, and sleep better. Discover de-stress, Merry Mind Omega, and Sleep 8. Natural ingredients and guaranteed purity for a better day and a restful night. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. And for more information, visit newrootsherbal.com. You're listening to an interview taken from the Tonic Talk Show and Podcast. Naturopathic doctor Philip Rashadis graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in 2004. Preceded by an honors undergraduate degree and master's of science degree, both in nutritional sciences from the University of Guelph. Philip practices at the Bolton Naturopathic Clinic in Bolton, Ontario with his wife, Dr. Heidi Fritz. Philip's areas of clinical focus include mental health, autoimmune disease, and metabolic syndrome. He also serves as an associate professor at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, responsible for delivery of the second year curriculum in clinical nutrition. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's a real treat to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So this time of year, people suffer and they suffer from sadness um, and they suffer from melancholy just because there's less sunlight and there's lots going on and we've had the holidays and there's a lot of people who deal with mental health issues and a lot of people are taking prescriptions for it. Do you think that's a matter of concern? I definitely think it's a matter of concern. It's been a real privilege to be able to work in this area for for the last 15, 16 years or so. And I'm always asked to come talk about it this time of year, but truly working in the field, it's an all year round problem. It can certainly be heightened by poor weather, absolutely. And we live in a country that's famous for having the highest rate of multiple sclerosis on the planet, and that's been fairly tightly linked to our very low levels of vitamin D and, and sunlight, sunlight exposure. Yep. But it really is an all-year-round issue, and I like to take the opportunity when I'm here in the winter talking about it to remind people of that. We're not just suffering in the winter. And the reason I got into this area, there's a lot of natural strategies to help many different subsets of health, but really in the world of mental health, it's desperately required. The prescriptions that we commonly use in this area, while necessary, and I'm not trying to add to stigmas, many of my patients take them and they absolutely couldn't function without them, but they are, like most drugs in this day and age, grossly overprescribed. And the bigger issue to me is there is not a discussion of what medically we would call informed consent, which means if I'm going to prescribe you something, I'm obligated to go through with you why we're giving it to you, um, cost, potential adverse effects, potential addictiveness, etc. And that conversation in the world of prescription mental health drugs just really isn't happening. And patients come and see me, hey, I've been taking this medication for two, three months, I'm experiencing A, B, C, X, Y, Z. And I just sit there going, didn't anyone tell you about this? If you Google adverse effects of this medication you're taking, you're describing the common list. So I see that lack of conversation about informed consent as a real problem in this area. Yeah, I think part of the problem might be, though, the, the issues that they're dealing with are so significant that, you know, even if they did know some of the side effects are the potential downside or adverse effects, they might still choose to take those drugs. That's absolutely true, and that is where many of my patients find themselves, yet it's turned to as first line when really there are much safer, much fewer adverse effect-inducing strategies that are very, very effective. And that's where I think the naturopathic doctor, the integrative healthcare practitioner comes in, 
we love what we do when we can sit back and see the impact we can have on very serious mental health concerns with simple, safe, essentially side effect free strategies. Well, you know, maybe it would be helpful if we sort of identified some of the problems that are associated with the prescribed medications. You know, for those who don't know, what are they? Again, we don't want to add to stigma and vilify, but it's really common for people to describe a real flatness. Yeah, like a so numbness. Yeah. We get it, right? You start with a mood of zero out of 10. You have thoughts of taking your own life. That's it's a horrible situation to be in. You take the medication, it's helpful. You know, your mood, you'll say, is now a four out of 10. You don't have thoughts of taking your own life anymore, but you'd prefer not to stay at a four out of 10. So in that situation, there's many things we can do. Sexual solemnness is a big one. That defined is just you, you lose libido, you lose interest in being intimate, and that's described by a lot of people as being really concerning. Weight gain is one. And they are, they're considered very addictive. They are really hard to get off of, very hard. Yeah. You know, it's funny, the weight gain is empirical. Apparently, there aren't studies that show there are significant weight gain with the mood enhancing or the mood altering drugs. But I know people who are on antidepressants and they absolutely, to a T, all of them report that they have weight that they've put on that they cannot take off. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I don't know what the connection is, but it's absolutely true. Yeah, you see it reproducibly. The antidepressant class of medication, which would be the most common, is said not to do that, but it certainly does. The antipsychotic class, which is, a, which is a little different, but still quite commonly used, very, very directly reproducibly induces very significant weight gain. I know in reading a little bit about the work that you do, you discuss depression and anxiety and insomnia sort of collectively. Why do you do that? Why should we look at those three symptoms collectively? The fancy word in medicine is comorbidity. It means bad things that happen together. A really common area more people will have heard about this in is on the metabolic side. So it's very common for diabetes and cholesterol and blood pressure to cluster together. So this right. is a comorbidity, bad things happening together. In the world of mental health, you can certainly see depression on its own. And you ask the person, do you suffer anxiety? And they don't even know what the word means. But most commonly, you see depression plus anxiety plus insomnia cluster together. That is the common comorbidity in the world of mental health. You wouldn't think of depression and anxiety sort of being together, right? I mean, they seem symptomologically, they seem that they're very different, right? Like if you're depressed, you wouldn't think that you were excitable. You'd think, you'd sort of think that you're, you're numb, to the world affecting you, whereas anxiety makes you feel like you're sort of hyper vigilant to the, how the world is affecting you. It's an interesting conundrum. It's an interesting thought, but in practice, it, it happens quite differently. So if you're depressed for a really long time, that weighs on you and you feel worry. You feel worry and fear. Or if it starts with worry and fear and panic and you're suffering that frequently, that really easily lends itself to feeling of depression. Okay. So we've identified, you know, people who are suffering from, from mental illnesses, you know, typically how they're feeling and, and what the symptomology is. Let's try and move forward and see if there's any way that we can help them in a natural way. So let's start with lifestyle strategies. What would you recommend as being helpful for people who are suffering from, from these? Following what we, we term the SAD diet, the standard American diet, does not lend itself to good mental health. You know, you don't, I, I hope that's fairly obvious. You don't want to be living off the junk food, et cetera. A fruit and vegetable-based diet, we always really promote what's called the Mediterranean dietary pattern. It has tremendous amounts of research behind it. It's life-saving from a cardiovascular perspective. And since then, the research branches out and we show it's good for 
for neurological disease, like it staves off dementia and Alzheimer's. Sure enough, it helps mood. Sure enough, it does really positive things in pregnancy. So it's basically a vegetable and fruit-based diet. You want to every day include nuts and seeds. You want to every day include olive oil. And the little tagline for this diet is regarding meats is no legs, then two legs, then four legs. So focus on seafood, poultry in moderation, limit the red meat. That's sort of the crux of this diet program. And also, of course, exercise. That we have very direct on-point human evidence. If we take people with a diagnosis of major depressive disorder and we get half of them just to go about their normal business, the other half we put in an exercise regime, exercise really helps mood. These have been clearly established. Right. And, you know, we talk a lot about the interconnectedness between diet and exercise. And and the other pillar that we talk about is sleep as well. And sort of focusing on getting good sleep is tied to a good diet and good exercise. And I think that would help alleviate depression and stress too if you had a good night's sleep. Absolutely. And that's why a big part of this discussion also focuses on insomnia. But I wanted to go as, as important as diet and exercise are that's not the end-all and be-all. They are far more important when we talk about something like diabetes. What really hit me as a practitioner, I'll never forget it, the first two people I ever saw in private practice with a specific diagnosis of depression were two of the cleanest living elite athletes I had ever met in my life. Hmm. Their diet was not contributing to their mental health. Their lack of exercise was not contributing to their mental health. So for a large subset of people, yes, these diet and lifestyle considerations are very important, but there are people out there living perfect lifestyles and exercising very appropriately who still significantly suffer with mental health concerns. Yeah, I I like it. You know, it certainly can help. Diet, nutrition, lifestyle is going to help. It can't hurt. Right? It may not make the difference, but it's certainly not going to stop you from enjoying the rest of your life and making your life better. And it'll prolong your life, improve quality of life, all those wonderful things. Right. Okay. So let's shift gears again. We've talked about lifestyle. Let's talk about some of the supplements that might be able to help people who are suffering from these problems. Right. So the big first step is to differentiate between supplements that would be appropriate for somebody who's on a medication in this area mm-hmm. versus supplements that would not. Right. So some definitely have herb drug interactions that we need to be concerned about. And we need to avoid those among individuals who are actively taking a medication in the prescription of mental in the world of mental health. But to start, so if the person is medicated, so I'm on a medication for mental health, my mood was zero. Now my mood is four. I'm grateful for that impact of the medication, but I'd prefer to feel a little better than a four. Is there anything I can do? And absolutely there is. So there's four big ones that we focus on. One is high EPA fish oil. One is vitamin D. One is a B complex or a multivitamin. You want to make sure it has Bs, but you're focused on the Bs. And the other, if sleep is an issue, is melatonin. Okay. So all four of these things are completely safe to combine with any prescription someone might be taking in the world of mental health. And when combined, that might seem really simple. Like, I've heard of all of those things. Those don't seem like anything special. But when you combine them for somebody with mental health concerns, the impact very often is quite profound, takes a few weeks to kick in, and delivers very important benefit. 
I'd love to have the opportunity to address each one in a little more yeah, detail. Yeah, let's do, let's do that. The big one, I love it. It's, my heart's in it because it was my, the topic of my master's degree in nutrition, um, is fish oil. So there's two active ingredients in fish oil, EPA and DHA. Fish oil does wonderful things for your heart, wonderful things for your brain. But we have no less than 60-plus human studies showing us that if you supplement fish oil, it has really powerful, positive impact to mood. But the key here is... Commercially, most fish oils sort of have almost equal amounts of EPA, DHA. It's kind of a special fish oil you need to positively impact mood. And what that specialness is, is that it has to be very, very high in EPA. So if you get an oil with sort of equal amounts of EPA, DHA, or more DHA than EPA, it's not going to help mood. It absolutely has to be very high EPA fish oil to have positive impact in this realm. Okay, so when you say very high, is there amount per milligram or, or that, that you should be looking for on the label? Or? It's a great question. There's not a magic number. You want to hit one gram of EPA. And then the question is how much DHA is there? Okay. You want it to be significantly less. Maybe 1,000 EPA with... 300 DHA or 1,000 EPA with 200 DHA or 1,000 with 100. Either way, it's got much more EPA than DHA and you're hitting a gram, 1,000 milligrams of EPA per day. I was going to say daily. And I presume when people are shopping, they can look on the label and they will see that. It has Absolutely. To, it has to be set out on the label for yeah. fish oils, correct? All fish oils will lay out EPA and DHA content. Should we be concerned at all about the sourcing of the fish oil or the, or which fish we, the I oil can, comes from? Or? I would love to go down that road with you. It's quite complex, but okay. from an environmental perspective, you should really always be getting fish oil from either sardine or anchovy, which okay. is fairly common, but not always. Is that because they're lower on the food chain? They are kind of plentiful. Nobody's catching them to make fish oil. They're being caught to make pellets for aquaculture. Right. And the fish oil is kind of a byproduct of the pellet manufacturing process. Got it. Okay. So it's being done anyway. You're not contributing to fish being caught. The vitamin D, Canadians are deficient in vitamin D. It's right. a no-brainer. It's the only supplement that's specifically mentioned in the Canadian food guide. Yep. We're all low. Take vitamin D. Sure enough, we have human studies. We take people with a diagnosis of depression. We give them placebo or vitamin D. They feel better if they take the vitamin D. It's not rocket science. And it's inexpensive and it's easy to access. It's It really is a no-brainer. Pennies per day. Yep. B-complex, similarly. People that take this generally report better sense of well-being. They feel their mood improves. They feel they're, they're more able to participate in their daily activities. I want to take advantage of that. Super inexpensive and very helpful. And the melatonin, it is wonderful for sleep, absurdly inexpensive, very safe, very safe to combine with other stuff. The side effect of it, it's one of maybe only two supplements on the planet that I would say has the potential to reduce your lifetime risk of cancer. A lot of safety data on melatonin comes from people that we have multiple human studies that give high-dose melatonin to people with advanced cancer. Mm -hmm. It prolongs life. It improves quality of life. Um, it reduces adverse effects of chemotherapy radiation. And that's a very separate application. The main thing melatonin does is help sleep. So if people have a sleep issue, they should be looking into melatonin. Do you recommend melatonin uh, to take sort of ahead of the game? In other words, you take it every day, or do you just take melatonin if you're having difficulty sleeping? We're usually dealing with people that have pretty severe insomnia, so it becomes daily long-term. There's no concern with that whatsoever. Um, most people, though, end up using it sort of as needed. So they'll take it every day for 
a couple of weeks, and then they find they're sleeping great without taking it. And that's wonderful. And then you keep it around, and if you're finding you have a couple bad nights sleep, you start using it again. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're going to be back next month. And uh, what are we going to discuss next month? Next month is a good one. It's uh, Collectively, it's called metabolic syndrome. And we talked about it briefly in today's show. It's the clustering of diabetes plus cholesterol plus blood pressure. So we're going to dive into all three of those and some simple strategies with which we can help manage those very common cardiovascular risk factors. Fantastic. Looking forward to it.